Welcome to What's in the Basement, a new podcast from the Berkshire Museum. In each episode, we will explore objects and stories from our collection of over 40,000 pieces of art, historical artifacts, and natural specimens. I'm Craig Langlois, Chief Experience Officer for the Berkshire Museum and host of What's in the Basement. Today, we are joined by... I'm Kendra, I'm the Experience Coordinator. Welcome, Kendra, and what object are we discussing today? So Craig, we're looking at a life-size sculpture of a woman done in white marble. She's looking rather forlorn, standing with a downward gaze and her hands crossed demurely in front of her. She has her hair pulled back and is wearing a full-length tunic-style dress secured by a belt around her waist. She is also wearing sandals as she stands on a rocky platform with a broken lyre at her feet. This sculpture was created in 1881 by American sculptor Richard Henry Park. So who is the woman depicted and what do we know about her? This is Sappho, one of the most famous women of the ancient world. She lived from approximately 630 to 570 BCE. And though she was one of the most admired and prolific poets of antiquity, only fragments of her work survive today. There are really very few things that we can say with certainty about her life. We do know that she was born to a wealthy family on the island of Lesbos in the Aegean Sea, and we also know that she had brothers and possibly a daughter. Based on her surviving poetry and her historic reputation, she seems to be a little bit scandalous, flouting conventions for women in the conservative elite society she was born into. Kendra, many may know her name. But can we share some of the stories or legends around Sappho? One of the best-known legends about Sappho, and the one that inspired the way that she's represented in the sculpture, comes to us through the Augustan poet Ovid, who lived over 500 years after she did, and about 2,000 years before you and me. Ovid's story involves Sappho and her love affair with the mythological figure Phaeon, who ferried people and the occasional goddess from Lesbos to Asia Minor. According to Ovid, Sappho threw herself off of a cliff and into the sea when Phaeon rejected her. That's why we see her standing on rocks here in this sculpture, a sort of tragic figure. Many people today associate Sappho with female homosexuality because of some references in her poetry and some other sources. In fact, the English word lesbian comes from Sappho's home island of Lesbos. But in reality, we can't really know much of anything about what her relationships with other women were like, just like we don't know much else about her life. Even though not much of her poetry survives, what do we know about her literary works? One thing we know about Sappho's poetry is that there was a lot of it, and it was greatly admired in the ancient world. She was called the poetess, a comparison to Homer, the poet. Scholars at the Library of Alexandria included her in their canon of lyric geniuses, and they recorded nine books of her work. That's estimated to be about 10,000 lines of poetry. Yet today, we only have about 250 fragments some of which are just a word or two. We have only one complete poem. As far as the poems go, 
Sappho invented her own signature style, known as a sapphic stanza. Her poems were written to be sung and accompanied by the lyre, hence lyric poetry. Ancient sources refer to the works as songs and not as poems. As writer, musician, and performer, and with a particular focus on love and emotion, Sappho was something of the Taylor Swift of the ancient Mediterranean. She broke from tradition by writing from the point of view of a specific person, unlike the earlier epic poets. I feel things. I do things. Not the gods. So Sappho lived thousands of years ago. Is there anything new or groundbreaking we can say about this figure from antiquity? Can you believe that we're still discovering more of her work? For centuries, all we had were quotations of Sappho and other writings that had survived. Then, in 1897, some previously unknown fragments of her poetry were discovered by archaeologists excavating an ancient dump in Egypt. And that was just the beginning of new findings. More and more tiny pieces of papyrus have been found and deciphered over the years that can fill in some of the gaps we have. 2004, scholars were able to fill in much of what we call Fragment 58, or the Old Age Poem. Before that, we only had two lines recorded by a 3rd century CE grammarian, and the endings of some of the lines that had been found in earlier fragments and published in the 1920s. Now we have the, nearly the entire poem, we think. Thanks, Kendra. And as always, our final question here on what's in the basement what makes this relevant to today's audience? We don't have many women's voices from antiquity. In fact, we don't have many women's voices throughout much of history. Sappho is an exception to that. She was a real person who lived and breathed and wrote poetry that made the Greek world sing. But since her death, her legacy has been distorted over and over. She's become like a fictional character for later writers, hypersexualized and throwing herself off of cliffs. This Sappho in front of us, standing, looking down from the rocks, is part of that tradition. But the more discovering and deciphering that we do, the more we can put together a complete picture of who this woman was. We already know so much about Greek men. Through Sappho, we can learn just a little bit about the other half of the population. Museum basements can be magical places. Even though we can't have all 40,000 objects on display, we can glimpse at the depth and breadth of the museum collection through programs like this. I'm Craig Langlois, Chief Experience Officer for the Berkshire Museum. I hope you can join us for future episodes of What's in the Basement.